Welcome to Predator Radio, your exclusive podcast channel for everything predator hunting related. Predator Radio is brought to us today by our sponsor, Predator Precision. Predator Precision offers a full line of thermal and night vision optics, as well as thermal accessories. Check them out on the web at www.predatorprecision.com. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Predator Radio. This is going to be episode one of season two. So we've taken a year off and we're ramping things back up for season two. Um, Last year was really busy. There were some things that came out on social media where there's some interviews going on with some really good people that we didn't want to kind of bother them twice. So we're rolling back into um, season two. Today we have Travis Millard, um, one of the probably best taxidermists here in our area. And um, he's going to go through what we need to know from a predator hunting standpoint. He's going to go through kind of getting us up to speed on taxidermy in general. And then specifically what I wanted to cover and I've, I've, really picked his brain on is when we get something that we want to mount, what can we do as hunters in the field to make sure it looks the best by the time he's done with it? So, um, Travis, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you got here and how you got here and all that? You got some really cool stuff for the people that are watching this on video. I know this is completely useless for a podcast, but trust me, we're sitting in Travis's shop with some really cool stuff around here. I, we got a bobcat over here that we're gonna get on B-roll video for you guys. Um, Travis is a pretty well accomplished trapper as well. And we're gonna have an episode coming up on trapping as well, picking his brain on that, but take so, it away. Yeah, so like Jeff said, my name is Travis Millard. I uh, own and operate Travis Millard Custom Taxidermy here in Southwest Ohio. Uh, I'm the current president of the Ohio Taxidermist Association, which I'm very proud to be a part of. A uh, great team of taxidermists help promote that in our state. Um, so I've been doing taxidermy since I was 18 years old. I started in my dad's garage like a lot of other taxidermists out there. Um, so I, I graduated from that to taking friends stuff on and kind of turned it to a business. I worked full time, you know, for years at a steel mill and, and done taxidermy as well. So um, I've been doing this now, like I said, since I was 18, I'm 46 years old now. So I've been doing taxidermy, you know, literally more than half my life. So um, I, I, I've competed at multiple different states championships uh the world championship and the national championship uh against some of the best that this whole country and you know the world has to offer and i've done okay i've not won major major awards at those levels yet i i did this year a couple major awards but uh i'm just i'm i love the taxidermy industry i love helping promote it talking to guys like jeff about how the hunters can bring stuff into me in better condition because what happens in the field um when when you shoot an animal 
uh, preparation for a great mount on your wall has to start immediately. And when I say immediately, from the time the shot goes off. From the time you make that shot, uh, you need to be thinking, okay, I got to give that deer time, you know, or I got to give that coyote time, I, I gut shot him or whatever. But it, you got to recover him to the point that the hide's not slipping and things like that. So, but if you make a clean shot on a coyote and you knock him off his feet, so right then you need to be thinking, man, if this is a black faced coyote or a really, really colorful coyote or your first coyote guys out there just getting started i, I have a lot of first coyotes come in because it, it is that's a that's a very successful thing to get out and and hunt these ultimate predators like that so um so when you shoot that coyote coyotes will green inside the pelt fairly quick like jeff stated i'm a i'm a very skilled trapper i've done trapping my whole life i grew up in a trapping family so what I used to see is if I'd go out and catch 15 coyotes in one day, by the time I'd get done with my trap line and get back to my skinning shed, well, you peel the first coyote of the morning down, <laughs> he's already starting to turn green. You know, yeah, they it's, bad. you know, from the different, I don't know if it's the, there's the rancid things that they eat and you know, the enzymes in their body breaks them down quick, but they do, you know, slip quicker than most animals. So, and when you say slip, uh, slip would be if the if the hair's not connected to the under tissue of that hide. Like you can grab it with your fingers, pull very easy, and you get a whole big patch of hair comes off and leaves a bald spot in the skin back. The chances of that going through the tannery and making a a good mount is very slim at that point. So, and then does temperature? I know most people if they're wanting something mounted for fur, we're gonna try to get it in the the fur season and i'm gonna have you kind of go through a timeline and when those seasons and when you see the best fur but if somebody wanted something that they got in the summer it's not gonna have prime fur right but that's all gonna be sped up right yes so yeah. your how quick it slips and starts of, to go yeah. bad is is pretty much only dependent yeah. on time and temperature right i almost never suggest someone to mount a summertime animal you know it's just not worth it obviously predator control needs to go on 365 the the predators can outwit us uh, big time as far as that goes and but if you if you want the the best looking mount on your wall that you're going to get it's going to come with prime fur uh from the months of november through uh i'm going to say mid-january because in the later portions of january i'm sure you've seen it where they start rubbing they start getting those rub marks. The breeding season's kicking in big time, at least in our area, mm -hmm. you know. So, you know, it, you know, you'll have a coyote that it's got a lot of rub in it and stuff, and and they just don't make a good life size mount. Where if you kill a coyote in end of November, he's as prime as he's gonna get. And uh, under fur, when we go through and we back brush and blow dry and shampoo and fluff that thing out to better he literally will look better than he ever did in the wild. Right, <laughs> right. So with that being said, you know, keep it in mind if you're looking to have a coyote mounted or a bobcat mounted, hunt those prime times, you know, for, for that mounter. When the fur's going to look yes, the best. Yes, when the fur looks the best. Okay. And fur season, and correct me if I'm wrong, when, the, when that 
prime fur starts to come in, I was told that that's not based on calendar or temperature. Well, I guess it is based on calendar. I always thought if it got colder earlier, prime fur started sooner, but I was told it's based off moon phase. Yes, it can be. Yeah. I've heard that as well. So uh, I guess it is a calendar yeah. time. And, uh, you know, mother nature has a way of protecting all of its own animals, you know, and, and, you know, you, you as a taxidermist, when I'm skinning things, I can take deer in in mid, mid October and, just about tell you what kind of bad winter we're going to have because really? their fat reserves are different than other years. And so there's things taxidermists see on the inside of things. That it's just amazing how, how nature takes care of itself that way. If they know there's a bad yeah. winter coming, they, the fat reserves inside are usually thicker and the furs are thicker. And you know, that's why your Alaskan furs, like your Alaskan red fox is going to look way more plump and fluffier than right. any other red fox in this area or in the eastern states because you know it's got to survive that brutal winter that alaska dishes out you know right. so. so i don't know anything about um deer hunting since i'm only a predator hunter right but just out of curiosity like you've got some really cool deer here is that the same type phase i mean i know they have a such a short season mm -hmm. is anything in the deer season without getting too off track is anything in deer season going to be good for? Yeah, pretty much. Um, now, you know, even some of your really early season deer, they'll, the cape will have a little bit of summer hair in it. Um, yeah, I know for podcasts they won't see, but like a on the video segment, a, a deer like this one here has got a lot shorter hair, makes a real, you know, more detailed mount. Okay. And then the later in the season you get you'll have deer that has longer hair, you know, they're protecting themselves for the winter, but yeah, anything in season and most of your States are protecting with seasons. They're protecting, you know, birth times and things like that too. So, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and field care is, is number one when it comes to getting a good taxidermy mount. Right. Okay. So let's walk through, um, it's, the beginning of December, um, and what starts the process? What can we be doing from that point all the way through, like when you're mounting? It? Okay, so you just shot a coyote with a rifle. Let's say it's your first black phase coyote, and you know they're rare. I've trapped hundreds of coyotes and never turned one myself, so it'd be something special to me. So really before you go make your next set and i know you guys do lots of sets through a night setting up on hunts if that's an animal that you're want you know you're going to have mounted stop your sets for the night right then and go get him either in a freezer if possible that's always your best option do not gut it do not drag it you know tough it out carry that thing yep tie shoestring on its feet how i'm sure you guys got tools for yeah. carrying them drags yeah. yeah but get it yeah get it off the ground get it off the ground don't yeah. don't drag that animal on the ground <laughs> keep as much blood off of the cape after the shot that you can and when i say the cape i'm talking about the the whole animal the fur so if if possible you know say you got a neck shot put a trash bag around its head and contain. you know and contain that blood to that section so it doesn't get on the rest of it uh, there's there's multiple different ways but getting him cold do not gut it i have guys you wouldn't believe the guys i have call me and say hey i want to get this 
coyote mounted and I already gutted it. There is zero need for you to gut a coyote. You know, you don't need to do that. First off, I'm sure it's very nasty to do. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, when I skin them, I, the, the entrails will stay intact. So I won't even get into that section anyhow. So it's just an incision that doesn't need to be made. Okay. So don't gut it. Keep it as clean as possible. Don't drag it. And then get him cold. If a freezer's not available, uh, maybe a Yeti cooler with ice on the bottom. And, and I want to tread lightly when I talk about ice because so many hunters um, will bring capes into me that, oh, I've got him packed in ice. Well, that water on that cape is your enemy. So you want to keep the moisture out of that cape. You want to keep him cold, but you don't want to add the moisture. Cold and dry. Yeah. So triple bag the coyote in heavy duty trash bags, even okay. carry them in your truck when you're coyote hunting for, you know, this scenario, triple bag that thing, roll him up tight, duct tape the bag closed tight, then add the ice to where you ensure, yeah, I'm keeping him really cold, but I'm keeping him dry. So that's, that's, okay. that's a positive for the taxidermist. If, if at all possible, straight in a deep freezer, that's your best deep freezing. I, I provide an outdoor deep freezer for customers to drop off at any time of night. Like said, Jeff Turner, he's out coyote hunting. He calls me, hey, I shot this real rare looking coyote. Well, it's 2.30 in the morning, Jeff. Right. <laughs> it's a, a, I give him the code to my freezer. He can drop that in my outdoor drop off. You okay. Know? So, yeah. So, and a lot of your taxidermists out there, you know, I'm talking specifically me, but do your homework on your taxidermist, you know. Call them up prior to going on that hunt. Ask them these questions to refresh your memory. Hey, if I get this coyote and I'm really trying, I've bought my scopes and I've bought my gun and I'm really into this predator hunting and uh, I've been listening to Jeff Turner's podcast and I, I'm really getting into this thing. And if I kill a coyote, what should I do? And uh, and that taxidermist should have the knowledge to go over that with you and, and educate you on that. So. Okay. So once you get them in here, um, one thing I always have a question on is how bad blown apart can, how much can you fix? We can fix. Like we talk about fur friendly. <laughs> yeah. And I know like, uh, like my daytime gun, I use a 22 nozzler. It's fairly fur friendly. Right. Um, nighttime, which is what I primarily do. I'm running a six creed. Right. And it's not quite as fur friendly. It all depends. Good shot placement is fur friendly. Yeah. yeah. Poor shot placement blows mm -hmm. out. And how much, at what point should somebody say, man, this is just not one to send to the taxidermist? Right. Like, how much uh, can you fix? It, some holes are fixable. And on furred animals, it's easier than, say, an animal that has the hair like a deer and, you know, the fur is a lot fluffier. You can hide underneath and then fluff that hair over and maybe not see it. If you're blowing big, big holes in it, you know, think about like a pedestal mount, like a shoulder pedestal. You know, so just change the type of mount. Yeah, you can still say you hit one behind the shoulder and exit sides back last rib and it blew volleyball size hole in him. You don't want a life size mount that. But if it is your first black coyote or, you know, off phase coyote and yeah, or your first coyote period, you don't have to sacrifice not getting him mounted. Okay. Or you could just do a different style mount. There's a lot of cool uh, pedestal mounts. Um, 
available shoulder pedestals you know the creativity in taxidermy is sky's the limit nowadays you know just like everything else it's just come so far but um and then wall hangers too you know i i do a lot of just soft tan wall hangers for guys okay and and that's doable too because even if it's something that's got a big hole in it you can have the whole thing soft hand and then stitch it up from the inside and yeah, it might be a little bit of a scar there or whatever that would be really bad on a mount but where it's just hanging on the wall as a as a display in your man cave or cabin or whatever it look phenomenal you know okay. So. okay so basically if it's all blown to pieces they can just kind of choose a different style mount absolutely um, i know when i had my i got it had a neat color phase when done and when i uh did it i looked through the catalog to get ideas of what mm -hmm. i want because i wanted an open mouth right. mount so it's kind of neat um hopefully your taxidermist has something you can look through or or uh looking through the catalog really helped me and google is your friend too oh, like yeah. i tell guys a lot to uh put google go on google and then click images and then just type in the mount you're looking for like coyote shoulder mount or okay. coyote life size and you'll look at pictures all day like there's so many different pictures out there well if you see something you like that somebody else's had done screenshot it take it to your taxidermist say hey yeah. i really like this, this here that i found and what i found is 99 percent of the time by looking at that picture i can tell you what manufacturer made that form and whether or not it's going to okay. fit your coyote or not you know gotcha. so yeah yeah do uh use use the internet as your as your friend on that stuff too so what kind of time do you have in mounting a coyote and what should people look for in when they want to have one mounted? Okay, so we we talked about, you know, the time frames of killing them in the prime fur yeah. and then as far as, you know, the time time wise, time -wise like your, like your labor yeah, time. Yeah, what I'm going to have in it, like I offer about a 10 to 12 month return on average on all my stuff that comes in a lot of that is determined by tannery time it, some taxidermists tan their own i send mine out to a commercial tannery um, either can be great like i know guys uh, abel leverage out of indiana one of, the, one of the best predator taxidermists in the country uh, he tans his own stuff and and does a great job I send mine out and have them tanned and do a great job too but okay. you know so the both of them are, are okay but a lot of my leeway time is determined by how long it takes to get it back from the from the uh tannery so but uh yeah and then as far as mounting one depending on if it's a shoulder mount or a life-size mount like i got a coyote to do now that's a life-size mount that the guy also had a squirrel he wants the coyote holding in its oh, mouth and in all honesty that one's taken me quite a while because there's a lot going on in that project gotcha. i got a bobcat that a guy wants mounted uh custom pose reacting but then he's got a diamondback rattlesnake he got at the same time in texas and he wants that diamondback striking at the bobcat okay. so you know when you get really custom pieces like that going it, it's going to take your taxidermist some time yeah yeah okay um, is there anything else you can think of that people need to be aware of from, uh, from a taxidermy standpoint, like us in the field, 
or at least me, not knowing much about taxidermy, is there anything else that we should be considering? Um, I will touch on uh, legalities. So if you go out of state and you want to go, say Jeff Turner wants to go to Missouri and bobcat hunt, you know, don't just take a trip out to your uncle's farm in Missouri and shoot a bobcat <laughs> and then, br- and drag it and then bring it back here because... <laughs> I can't I can't receive that animal from you if it's not legally tagged, legally harvested. You got to show me your hunting license from that state that you harvested it in. It needs to have a CITES tag placed by the DNR. I've trapped cats out in, you know, Missouri mm-hmm. and you know, you got to call the county's game warden that you caught it in. Uh, schedule a time with him, meet him, and then he puts a plastic CITES tag through the eye, down through the jaw, and locks that, you know, clip on there. And a very easy process to do. The Missouri DNR was great to talk to. Does that mess up uh, your mouth when they do that? No, and they, they, they've been trained to go inside the eye socket, come out through the upper mouth to where if that person does want to have a mount, it's part that's got to be skinned out anyhow. Okay. So for transport, don't get don't get in trouble with the simplicity of just doing it legal. And that is something that will affect us here because if you walk through the door and you say, hey, I got this bobcat. I just went out to my uncle's place and you know, shot this bobcat in Missouri. Well, the first thing I'm going to do is and look at the animal, see if it's worthy of a mount. And then my first question would be, well, where's the CITES tag? If that guy doesn't have that, he's got to leave. Like, I, I can't even have it in my shop. So, so yeah, that's something as a hunter you want to keep in mind. If you're predator hunting, you know, I know a lot of states, it's open season on coyotes, stuff like that. But if you're, say, in Missouri, and all you have to have is a fur taker permit and a hunting license to, to coyote hunt, oh, man, there's a cat. Well, Make sure that you're legal to shoot that before you do. And then once you do, do everything you got to do to make it legal to bring it to me, you know. Yeah, you don't want to go through all that effort for nothing, right. especially yeah. drag it back here. Well, if there's not anything else you can think of, um, I appreciate your time for it. If people, if somebody happens to be, I know we got a lot of people in the Southwest Ohio area. If somebody wants to get a hold of you, Mm-hmm. How do they get a hold of you? Uh, so my shop, I have um, Travis Miller Custom Taxidermy on Facebook, has all my information. Uh, telephone number is 937-416-9126. And uh, text messages are great. Sometimes I do try to get in a tree stand myself and hunt a little bit. And But, uh, yeah, the, the southwest part of the state i cover i do a lot of work from the southeastern part of the state i have my own farm over there so i do a lot of work for that area also and then uh you know get on your on like on in ohio would be the ohio tax term association the ota mm-hmm. um, get on their page research uh different tax terms that would be in your area if you're northern part of the state you know, there's quality taxidermists all over the state and that would do a fine job for them, too. Well, well that was going to be one of my next questions you kind of led right into. Is, um, being the with the president of the Ohio Taxidermy Association, what's the advantage to being part of a group like that? Like, you guys have a conference. Yep. Um, I know I did a seminar at uh, your one conference. Uh, was it your state? 
Yeah, our state one. championship. Yep. Yep. Um, so what's some advantages to being part of a, either the Ohio Taxidermy Association or whatever your state's... I mean, that's a good network right. to be a part and, of. I and think. part of the advantage to being part of the your taxidermy association is... So I network with lots of taxidermists. I, I have... If a guy calls me, hey, Travis, you know, I killed this coyote. Do you want to take it in? Well, right now I'm kind of booked, but uh, what area are you in? If I know the area they're in, I can send them, you know, to a quality taxidermist, you know. So I know a lot of taxidermists throughout the state. Okay. So. Well, I really appreciate your time. Yes, sir. Thanks Thank a bunch. You, Thanks for being on. And uh, if you guys want to look them up, look them up on social media. Um, don't forget to follow the Facebook page. And uh, we're on Instagram now. Um, as, as well as our podcast can be listened to directly from the website. And then lastly, um, don't forget to support our sponsors, uh, Thermal Optics Plus, MFK Game Calls, and DNA Firearms all do a really good job of helping us out through uh, Predator Precision, which is what pays the bills for Predator Radio. And those guys really bend over backwards to help us, so be sure and... Uh, and support those guys.